and welcome to Effin Hormones, the podcast about perimenopause and beyond. I'm Emma Goswell, and in a minute you're going to hear from the rest of the gang, Bina, Terry and Helen. This is the podcast where you get to share as we vent, we swear, we laugh and we generally support each other through the fact that your effing hormones might be giving you the runaround. In this episode, you're going to hear about the fact that brands really are starting to wake up to Generation X. Check out this stat. When it comes to menopause care products, it's estimated that this market will reach $4.9 billion by 2027. You may notice that more and more products are being targeted to menopausal women. We'll be having a chat about that later. You're also going to meet two women who are disrupting the market in the United States with their brand, which is called Womanness. Womanness brings together skincare, sexual health products and supplements all in one place. And it's definitely got a Generation X sensibility to it. First of all, though, time to catch up with the gang. Bina, Terry and Helen are all here. Thank God. Hello, hello. Uh, ha- How's everyone doing? <laughs> Hi. All good? All right. <laughs> we're all here, we're not all there. Can I just ask a quick question? Are we Generation X? What do you mean by... So what is Generation X? What age group is that? We are slap bang Generation X. Are we? we I'm not. Out, we I'm not very out. good at the you, generations. You are, you're just in, Bina. I'm just in. You're just in, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm old, I'm old we generation look, we X. We looked it up a while. We looked what it year up. is the, what? What year is millennial? Yeah, I don't think Emma's generation X. Isn't Emma a baby boomer? 1965 <laughs> to 1986. Generation X. <laughs> you cheeky. I pecker. am not a baby boomer. That is so rude. Can't believe it. How do I get out of this podcast? I quit. I I I am I am very glad to be generation X. I can't believe you said that, Terry. Emma's a boomer. You're so naughty. What's the next generation after yours then? After ours, generation TikTok or something? Oh, it's the millennials after us. Millennials after us. We are slap. We are Generation X, definitely. And then Generation Z, Gen Z, Gen Z. They're like the new young ones, aren't they? Are they? Now, who's Gen Y then? Oh, have we got? I don't don't think there was a Generation Y, was there? Why not? (laughs) Hey, I think. I mean. I think I'd quite like to be Generation Y the fuck is the world. (laughs) (laughs) You can have that generation all to yourself, baby. Uh, But why? (laughs) (laughs) Generation just why. Oh, God. (laughs) Great. (laughs) You know, I'd put in stats. I I thought this was a topical debate and this is what... (laughs) This is what it drills down. Zoning on the generation. Nobody likes to be aged, though, do they? No, we all want I'm quite to be happy to be Generation X. Yeah, no, I am. Generation X actually makes you sound like you're quite young. I don't feel like Generation X should be going through the menopause. It feels like quite a shock to me, to be quite honest. Yeah, tell me mm. about it. I feel like yeah. we should still be going out partying and raving and not worrying about effing hormones, if I'm quite honest. I don't know how all this age stuff happens. Yes, good point, well made. Mm. I was just going to say I went raving at the weekend. It was brilliant. <laughs> what? You did what, Tessa? She's lying. She'll have gone to Wales in her camper van. I went to Wales and stayed in a cottage. <laughs> oh, God, I'm quite disappointed. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, yeah, I went to Warehouse Project, danced till <laughs> five in the morning. <laughs> whoop, whoop. No, I went for a walk during the day. Were you listening to Enya? <laughs> oh, don't mock Enya. <laughs> what time were you in bed? <laughs> 
Oh right, God. come on. We're having too much fun now. Let's move on. <laughs> now, Helen, you've got some more people to thank, though, haven't you? Because more people have been generous and contributing to the Effin Hormones Production Fund, right? Yes, thank you so much to Katie. And also, uh, thank you to our anonymous donor who very, very generously gave us a large donation after we... Uh, after we won an award last month. You know who you are. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And now, just a reminder, if you'd like and you are able to send us a few quid to help make Effin Hormones and get the message out there, go to effinhormones.com. You'll see Be an Effin Star. Click on the star and that'll take you to our donations page. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right, well, it's been a little while since you heard the A to Z of Perry and Menno. So just to remind you, this is where you get to hear us work our way through the alphabet, covering different topics that are to do with the perimenopause and menopause. And this time you're going to hear from Terry, because we are up to the letter L, and Terry has something she needs to talk about. Terry, what L have you gone for? God, that sounds really ominous. I've got something I need to talk about. <laughs> right, girls. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Mm. No, in all seriousness, I had a, a bit of a stressful summer because I, at the beginning of summer, I found a lump in my breast. So L for lumps. Oh. Uh, I found a lump in my right breast and I thought, right, I'll leave it for a few weeks and see if it's uh, if it's hormonal because your breasts change, don't they, when you're, when you're having periods and every month and when you're still having a cycle mm-hmm. and they can get sore and everything else. So I thought, oh, I'll leave it for a few weeks, see, see what's going on and see if it goes. And it didn't go and I was quite concerned. So I um, got an appointment with a GP who uh, concurred that there was a lump and I was put on the, um, what is pretty normal for a woman who presents with a, a breast lump is you get put on the two-week cancer pathway. So they use the C word, the cancer pathway, uh, to Whoa. attend a breast oh clinic. Oh I know, I know. And, and she did say, look, it's probably nothing. It's probably just a cyst probably nothing to worry about but you see that word and I heard that word and I have a familial uh, family history of breast cancer and I lost my auntie to breast cancer when she was very young and my grandma died from cancer so there's definitely a a family link there so there was you know a real concern I was really quite worried Um, but I basically the GP said oh because of all the delays because of the impact of Covid on all the um, waiting lists it might be an eight week wait for the clinic Oh my so God. the two week wait became up to eight weeks. So I was quite worried. And then in so one of the things I had to decide was whether or not to continue taking HRT. So at that point, I did a hell of a lot of research, a lot from the Balance app and from Louise Newson's website about the risks and everything. And I made a decision to continue taking HRT for the quality of my life because I was already incredibly anxious. And this just sent my anxiety and it's sort of spiralling. Did your doctor not advise you at all then? You just sort of felt like you had to do your own research? She told me it was my decision and to to consider stopping Mm. it while while I was waiting because it could have been an oestrogen-receptive breast cancer if I had breast cancer. Thankfully, I didn't. I'll come back to that in a minute. So I I looked at the risks of and the likelihood of that and I did a lot of proper research, peer-reviewed research, etc. And I made a calculated risk that for the time that I was waiting, I was going to continue taking HRT. I finally got to the clinic. It didn't take eight weeks, thank God. It took five and I went to the clinic and I can only say, I mean, they are getting an absolute hammering in the NHS at the moment, but they were absolutely amazing. Yeah. I think I saw six different NHS staff that night because it was an evening clinic they got me into. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was it, it was quite late in the evening as well. So 
I saw nurses, I saw a consultant radiologist, a consultant breast surgeon, a consultant or someone who did it. So I had a mammogram. They went through the results with me. They saw, they found two lumps actually. So I'd only felt one, which is why women, if you get asked to attend for a breast screening, you really must make it your priority to go because you don't always feel lumps. The lumps were actually breast cysts. Now I learned quite a lot about these from that consult from one of the consultants that night if you're in perimenopause this is another one of the symptoms that's not actually on the 48 that we've gone through if you're in perimenopause you're you're more likely to have breast lumps and, and and cysts you're more likely to develop cysts now cysts are benign but they're basically fluid filled sacs in breast tissue and you get more of them and you also get more of them if you take estrogen so if you're on hrt you're also more likely to develop cysts which are not they're benign they're not they're not problematic and they're very common in women aged between 35 and 50 regardless or not of you, whether you take wow. HRT but HRT can increase increase them so yeah so with all that worry and everything I was very worried but they did um what's called a needle aspiration basically they shoved a needle in kept jamming it in to try and try and find to try and get into right into the center of the lumps and then they drained them there and then so um so I was quite relieved that basically that night they, that you were there. They did it that night, yeah. Uh, so it's pretty bruising, it's pretty yeah. sore, it's pretty painful, but I was glad that oh, they did that. Terry. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't know about that either. Yeah, no, I just thought it was important to mention it because I think that the main thing I've always known to check my breasts because of the loss in my family when I was younger. I've always known that, and my sister lost her friend to breast cancer, and I know people who live with breast cancer. So what, what is it? One in seven, one in eight women. I think. It's one in seven women have are at risk of breast cancer. So we need to check our breasts and we need to check them regularly. But what I didn't know was mm. if you want, if you if I if you can indulge me, I just want to go through how to check my breasts uh, or how. No, ha- do it because I don't know, and I'm going to hold my hand up and say mm. I am rubbish and I don't do this, even though I know people who've had it. And I will say because um, Abigail Goldrest herself would uh, want me to keep reiterating this. This was her mantra for a long, long time: fill your boobs and bits. And sadly, you're right, Tony. Not enough people know how to do it properly. So if you ignore the rest of the podcast, if you don't remember anything else that we said through the whole podcast, please listen to this because this is really important stuff. Yeah, thank you. Go on, um, Tessa. Okay, so there's. So I'm going to read this out because it's. Uh, we're going to put the link in the. Um, Put the link in the program Put the notes link as in well. the episode notes episode for the podcast. Notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, yeah. so how should I... This is NHS uh, website. How should I check my breasts? So look at your breasts and feel each breast and armpit and up to your collarbone. That's the bit I didn't know about. You may find it easiest to do this in the shower or bath by running a soapy hand over each breath, uh, breast even and up under each armpit. You can also look at your breasts in the mirror. Look, at, look with your arms by your side and also with them raised so they were very thorough when I had my check as well they did all that arm raising and everything so breast changes to look out for see a GP if you notice any of the following changes a change in the size outline or shape of your breast a change in the look or feel of the skin on your breast such as puckering or dimpling a rash or redness a new lump swelling thickening or bumpy area in one breast or armpit that was not there before a discharge of fluid from either of your nipples, any change in nipple position, such as your nipple being pulled in or pointing differently, a rash like eczema, crusting, scaling or itchy skin or redness on or around your nipple, 
any discomfort or pain in one breast, particularly if it's a new pain and does not go away, although pain is only a symptom of breast cancer in rare cases. Sorry, nearly there. Also see a GP if you're concerned. Breast changes can happen for many reasons and most of them are not serious. Lots of women have breast lumps and most breast lumps are not cancerous. However, if you find changes in your breast that are not normal for you, it's best to see a GP as soon as possible. This is because it's important to rule out breast cancer. If cancer is detected, then appropriate treatment should be planned as quickly as possible. And to find out more, have a look at the NHS How to Check My Breasts um, website, which we'll put in the uh, in the programme. So yeah, so long story short, uh, it was worrying, it was stressful, but I was in good hands in the NHS and I really, really can't stress enough the importance of uh, checking your boobs and bits as well. Oh, thank God you're okay, sorry, but mm. it's... The, the rational side of me was saying the, the likelihood of this is it's probably a cyst. The doctor isn't concerned too much. Sometimes where the lump is might also be a, um, you know, a sign of it, of, of what it could be. Um but there was there was that fear, there was that concern, there was that worry. And as much as I tried to put it back to the back of my mind and try and do what I was going to do over summer, it was still it was still there. Was that over the whole summer then? It was it wasn't over that. Well, it was five weeks of summer. So waiting for that five week for five weeks for that appointment and the four weeks where I was wondering whether or not I needed to see a GP. So I was aware that it didn't feel right for me and that actually it did feel like a lump. And in my heart of hearts, I knew it was a lump. It didn't feel like it was it was hormonal and that it was just part of the monthly cycle where my boobs get sore or lumpy. It didn't feel like that. It felt quite different. I had this happen a few years ago, probably 2018. And um, yeah, lump on my left breast. And I I think I, I, I came out, I feel listening to your you know, the five week wait, I mean, I was seen within the two weeks and even then that two weeks, it was excruciating. That sort of fear was really, yeah, it was all in, it was just, it just overtook everything. My every waking moment was like, oh my God. Now the GP, it was quite a hard lump. It was very hard actually, which my GP, when I, when I went to get it checked, the, I have to say my GP looked, she, her, what she was saying was very calming, but her face was saying something slightly different mm. um so i was like okay uh, but yeah i was seen at withenshaw hospital extremely quickly and it turned out to be the same thing terry it turned out to be a cyst and they cyst. drained it there and then and it was painful as fuck <laughs> um but yeah i i sort yeah. of walked out i practically kissed the tarmac as i walked out yeah you know, wow. just sort of you do feel like you know new lease of life sort of thing and yeah, I do, yeah, and I since then, I mean, I I picked it up because I started to check my breasts. You know, I I did start mm. to check it. That's exactly how I found it, and uh, now I do, I do do that regularly. I've signed up to a thing called Copper Feel, where you yeah. get a text. They text you a free text every month. I have to say, it does remind me. Right, I'm going to do that, Bina. I'm going to do. Yeah, that. sign up to Copper Feel, guys. It's a great charity. It's an amazing organisation. They've got a great website as well. Uh, but you can sign up for a free alert as a reminder, and they're funny reminders as well. They they do make yeah. you laugh, and they make you. I mean, you they've know. got a funny name, haven't they? So you don't. You totally, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's good. Funny you should say that because the reason I I, I am very good usually at um, checking my breasts, but I'd bought myself a new bra and it had a little brand tag on it, and it said Copper Feel. And I just thought, oh, when was the last time I checked oh, my breasts? That's good. Oh, brilliant! So that's when I picked that's up fantastic. the lump. Yeah. Oh, so great. yeah. 
Yeah, no, they're very cool. And funny enough, or not funny enough at all, the exact same thing happened to me in my 30s as well. And so we've all been to the same hospital, well, the three of us out of four, for exactly the same procedure. And luckily mine was benign cyst as well, and I had it wow. taken out there and then in the same place. So, yeah, incredibly worrying. This is the thing. I, di- I didn't realise how just how common it was and how many people have experienced it until I mm. discussed it and, and mentioned what was happening to me. And... I probably could have, you know, spared myself a lot of worry if I told people what was happening. There's a lesson in life for lots of things. What I didn't know until you just said was that oestrogen link. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. Well, I learned all that with Abigail. Her breast cancer was oestrogen fed as well. So I learned all the links about all these things. And I have to say, it's now so ingrained in me. Having lost a sister to breast cancer, I check my boobs pretty much on a every few days in the shower actually it's just become part of my routine mm-hmm. now check it in the shower stand in front of the mirror to look as well and do both things at least twice a week so the more people that the more women that can start doing that and men actually um mm-hmm. the better really because we all know that early diagnosis is absolutely vital for this horrible horrible disease so yeah. agreed thank you for talking about that terry i know that wouldn't have been thank easy you. for you anyway it was oh, at least i didn't i didn't have to do the demonstration <laughs> <laughs> At least it's a podcast <laughs> and not a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the listeners don't know, but you were actually doing it as you were talking. <laughs> That's a different kind of podcast. Yeah, you can put your bra on now, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it does it does just go to show like like how important it is to talk about things, even if you do find it difficult. Mm. Because like you just said before, Terry, actually, you didn't realise how common it was. And I, I find it difficult to talk. If I'm if I'm going through a difficult time, I find it really difficult to talk. I just sort of retreat and go and hunker down. But actually, mm. it's a bit of a mental note to kind of say, it's okay to talk about difficult stuff. Yeah. That's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. So just share it with the universe. <laughs> It's finally time to meet our guests for this episode. Now, they're going to help you get the lowdown on what's happening when it comes to how brands are catering for Generation X. Now, there's no doubt that brands are cottoning on to the fact that women of our age do actually exist nowadays. Yep. Uh, And that's certainly backed up by what Sally Miller and Michelle Jacobs are up to with their brand, which is called Womanness. Womanness provides a one-stop shop for skincare, supplements and sexual health products. Michelle and Sally really know their stuff. They're based in the US, uh, where they've worked with huge brands like Target, Pfizer, and the shopping TV network, HSN. They are on a mission to spread some, as they call it, new word alert, menopausativity into the world. I love it. And they're here with you now. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Sally. Hi. So nice to be here. So excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to find out all about menopausativity and how you came up with that. But first of all, if you could just introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about what you each do in, in the company. Sure. I'll go first. So um, I'm Michelle Jacobs. I'm one of the co-founders of Woman S. And as Sally will explain as well, we both have had long careers developing lifestyle brands for women. I spent a long time at Real Simple Magazine, which is a women's lifestyle brand here in the U.S., where we develop products under that sort of umbrella. Uh, We actually launched them at Target, which is where I met Sally. I also worked at Home Shopping Network, again, developing women's lifestyle brands. 
And Sally has a very similar background to me, and that's sort of how we, one of the ways we came together to develop Woman S. But Sally, I'll let you explain your background too. Yeah. Well, like you said, I was at Target stores in the headquarters as a merchandiser and a marketer for about 25 years. Had an amazing career there. Just did so many fun projects, like all the designers that made Target really cool at the time, like Missoni and Luella Bartley and so many British designers, and then left to start my own business about 12 years ago. And during that time, helped create a clean skincare brand that sold in the States and a fashion line and so many different experiences. But really, Womanus came together for Michelle and I really out of our own personal journey through midlife and menopause. So, oh, well, we'd like to hear a bit more about that, really, because okay. our, our podcast is all about sharing some of our intimate details of our <laughs> yes. lives and yeah. bodily functions. So it was obviously quite bad for you to then set up this whole business based on it. What, what, what was it like for you, Sally? Yeah. So um, in my, I would say, mid-40s, I started to experience perimenopause. Um, I knew I was going through some change because my period used to be very regular and then all of a sudden it became very erratic. And um, I had, you know, just a lot of sleep issues, but I thought menopause was just erratic periods and hot flashes. I didn't realize it was so much more than that. So I just kind of carried on with my life and became more moody, more, probably a lot of anxiety, and um, just carried on working, traveling a lot, kind of blaming my issues on stress, and didn't really realize menopause was so much more. And I signed up for a physical at the Mayo Clinic, which isn't um, too far from my home in Minnesota. It's a renowned medical institution. You've probably heard of them. And found myself in a really interesting conversation with a female doctor. And she really did a great job finally educating me about menopause and recommended at the end of my conversation that I try some products that were available on Amazon. And I went home that night. And of course, my husband was so excited that I was finally going to deal with my vaginal dryness Unbeknownst to him, I I remember disappointing him because I said, I am never buying any of these products. Never, never. The products were just outdated. And, you know, overall, the the selection was just really outdated. And um, that was really the moment for me personally to think, why am I creating these brands for all the millennials? Why am I not tackling the space for women like me? And then Michelle and I got together in New York a couple months later and telling her about my experience and the desire to tackle the space. And she was so excited (laughs) because she was seeing all these women in their 40s and 50s in her life, like leaving their jobs, wanting to finally pursue something that they've always wanted to do, kind of at the end of their rope, but excited about the future. It was a positive thing and it was kind of like a rebirth. So we took that knowledge and that kind of insight along with the lack of education and the lack of products to really create womanness. And we really felt strongly that it needed to address all three parts, you know, inspiration, education, and innovative products. 
I'm really interested in what you said there, Sally, the fact that you didn't know that you were going through perimenopause. Mm. And something that is the whole reason why we did Effing Hormones was basically because we didn't know about it either. Our mums hadn't talked to us about it. We weren't getting information from medical experts about it. It'd be really interesting to hear from, from both of you, actually, what has that been the same in the United States? You know, has it something that has not been talked about? Yeah. I mean, we hear it from women every single day, our own customers or women in our community. It's almost shocking to us. I mean, we both didn't know very much about it when we first started, but it's really shocking how little everybody knows about menopause and all of the symptoms that go along with it. And I think a lot of women are very similar to Sally, where they have issues and they don't really know why. They don't know. They don't associate it with menopause. They feel like, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? And I think if we all understood that there are all of these symptoms over 40 related to menopause, I'm sure you guys know this, that you would not feel so alone in your in this whole experience. I mean, I'm, I'm in a very different situation than Sally. I'm actually in perimenopause right now. And I get... Our sympathies. Join the gang. <laughs> I, have, yeah. I have ovarian cysts. And they just started in my late 40s. And I went to my doctor. And basically, he's like, yeah, your, ovar- your ovaries are basically like shutting down. And like, this is a misfiring. I mean, it was a bigger death obviously a bigger explanation than that. But... It wasn't until I was at an event for Womaness where I met a doctor, explained my situation, and she he, she said, you are a full-on perimenopause. This is totally normal. This These are things you could do about it. But again, my own doctor was a little bit like, oh, yeah, this just happens, you know, mm-hmm. like, without giving me the real explanation that I needed. Why do you think that is that there's been this taboo and talk? I mean, is it the same in the States? Because really, well, certainly what's been happening in the UK is that you get to 40s, mid 40s and women have been ignored in all areas. Everything from advertising to like actresses not getting certain roles anymore. It's a massive thing. Is that the same in the States? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's very much the same. Yes. I mean, we've we've talked to actresses that are worried about talking about menopause and even working with us, even though they love what we're doing behind closed curtains, but they're afraid they're not going to get any more roles because they'll be written off as, mm. you know, over the hill, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I think it is the same in the States. And I think it's starting to change, but and it takes all of us. It takes the media, it takes Hollywood for everyone to just start opening up the conversation and realizing this woman in her 40s and 50s, we're producing powerful things and we're doing amazing things. And whether it's for a family or our careers, giving back to society, we have so much wisdom, so much passion. And there's so many countless examples of women doing, we're all doing amazing things, right? So it, yeah. it will change, but it's so many centuries of this stigma and you're right, our moms didn't really explain anything to us about menopause. So it's been hush hush. And even the way our moms went through it, where she thought, you know, my mom really is still in denial that she even went through menopause and she's 84 uh, <laughs> because it means you're old. And I think mm-hmm. we just know that that's so not the case anymore. Did either of you go down the HRT route? It's interesting that your doctor said, oh, go on Amazon and buy these products rather than suggesting a medical intervention. Yeah, well, this is an interesting story. So at that appointment, she wanted me to start on like HRT, more more of the 
the lotion, you know, the lubricant with HRT. I told my mom I was going to this appointment and she said, whatever you do, don't go on hormones. They'll cause breast cancer. Oh, here we go. So here she gives me a prescription. I haven't even told this story uh, before. She gave me a prescription for it. And I tried it a little bit, but I was so nervous because of what my mom said that I never stuck with it. And here I am years later, and now I'm on HRT for bone health. And mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it, but it's it's been an interesting experience. I'm about six months now on HRT. And I don't know if it's helping my osteoporosis or not. I only wish, if it is, that I started a lot earlier. It's also shocking how much that idea of HRT and breast cancer yeah. is, continues to be linked together, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's been you know, disproven multiple times, but there has not been a big press piece. There hasn't been a big conversation around it. So, I mean, even I have friends that say to me, well, what about the breast cancer show? I'm just like, why, to your point, why are we, go- why are we still here? And it's amazing how much that infiltrated yeah. all of society. And we can't seem to get that out. And so women are really nervous about getting the help that they need. I, uh, I'm i just wondering, uh, we have different healthcare systems in the UK and US. Yeah. I don't know, you, you probably know about our NHS, our wonderful, wonderful NHS that we have here. Uh, what is the situation in America for women who need HRT? Because HRT, it's sort of, it, it's kind of like vital for people, isn't it? Or it can be. And so, like, how does that work? Is it something you have to get an insurance? Like, how does it work? Yeah, it is something that would be covered by insurance. And I can't speak to every insurance plan. I could only imagine in the U.S. that there are some insurance plans that won't cover it. For the most part, the main ones will, the main big ones will. But, you know, I think that in the U.S., you know, insurance is weird. I mean, my own my own gynecologist doesn't even take insurance because the insurance industry is sort of a big mess. I mean, in the U.S. and the, the costs are so high and I'm in New York City and New York City, the costs are extremely high. So it's really um, it's not consistent and it's not everywhere. And so for some women, it's just it's either not affordable or they're stuck going to a doctor that maybe is not as knowledgeable as someone who's an expert and can really charge whatever he he or she wants and, you know, has a real expertise in a certain category. It's a big mess. And I will also add that a lot of doctors, from what we understand, you know, menopause is not taught necessarily in medical school. It's Mm -hmm. an optional class. Yeah. yeah. So we're again very hit or miss on who your doctor is and whether or not your doctor has been educated in these issues. Um, a lot of women stick with their OB throughout their life without thinking like, oh, I really need a gynecologist who specializes in women over 50 or specializes in menopause. It's really not clear. And it's, you know, I think it's a disservice for women not really understanding all the things they could be doing. So, how much would an, a, a, a like a month supply of HRT cost? Would you would you have any idea? I would say maybe a hundred dollars. I, I don't know because when I my insurance is covering at least a portion of it. So right. you know when I when I go to the pharmacy, I'm not paying the full price. Uh, but then wow. there's you know, there's estrogen I'm taking, and then there's progesterone. So there's two different prescriptions that I have that I'm supposed to be taking. 
Well, this is all scarily familiar stuff, but we should probably move on to talk about womanness a little bit. I'm interested to hear about how you decided on the products you were going to sell. I presume you did a lot of research with women in the run-up to to launching. What sort of things were they telling you uh, that they wanted you to provide, basically? When we first started Womanist, we did huge focus groups with enormous amount of women, all in our demo. And what we learned really quickly was that not one woman had one story to tell. Um, Women talked about their symptoms across the board. Some women talked only about their skin. Some women talked about hot flashes, night sweats, not being able to sleep. Their hair, skin, and nails felt differently. Their relationships were different. Their libido was different. They were suffering incontinence. They felt like they couldn't, you know, do their 10-mile run anymore because they had to go to the bathroom four times along the way. I mean, we heard all kinds of issues. We really wanted to focus on the things we can make a difference in women's lives. And there were areas where we definitely felt like we could not make a difference. And one of those was weight gain. And despite the fact that so many women were talking about weight gain being a major issue for them, we just didn't have a product that would address it. I mean, that's why I said if we did, we'd be we would have been, You'd be multi, multi-billionaires yeah, been by now, right? right now. <laughs> but um, we really didn't have a product. So instead, we really addressed those issues with content on our website. We've talked to nutritionists, specialists, personal trainers, and we give a lot of advice. But it's really real advice that we would follow ourselves. But that's really on our website. But in terms of the product assortment, like I said, we really focus on where we thought we can make a difference. So what sort of things, what sort of things are women buying from you to improve their lives? Yeah, well, we have a whole range of skin and body products because your skin, as you know, changes dramatically all over your body because of the drop in estrogen and collagen. I know personally, my skin used to be oily and now it's super dry. So we have uh, two of our top best-selling skin and body products are Let's Neck, which is a neck and decollete serum that you roll on with the cooling rollerball. It's fantastic. Sorry, everyone's smoking because I'm really excited about Let's Neck. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so I'm yeah. like, every time I look at my neck, I'm like, oh, Women man. hate their necks. Even I though hate my neck. They're lovely, but um, we all hate our necks for some reason. And um, so it's really important to hydrate that area. It has a little bit of um, tightening ingredient in that just t- tightens the skin a little bit. But a lot of what Michelle is formulating, because Michelle takes the lead with our formulator on all the product development, we've really focused on hydration and smoothing. But hydration is key in protection of that thinning skin, because during menopause, your skin thins out dramatically just because of that damn drop in estrogen. And then the other product that is one of our top selling body products is called The Works, which is our body cream. So those are two best selling. And then we have an all-around menopause supplement called Menopause that has pycnogenol in it, which is another clinically proven ingredient that helps with blood circulation, hot flashes, night sweats. And then we have hair, skin, and nails supplement called Active Glow. We do have sexual wellness products too. We have two vaginal moisturizers, one's water-based and coconut-based, and then we have a vibrator. So... Right. I think Helen really wants to talk about the vibrator for some reason. Oh, you are showing me up. No, I just simply made the observation that I thought it was really great that you are putting all these products together in like a really matter of fact way. Yeah. Because it's like a sort of whole package of like what we want in midlife and why not, right? Whereas my observation was that in the UK, we might be a bit like, 
Right. Because we were, we, we were quite prudish. frankly more repressed prudish, and prudish. Yeah. And so when I saw it on the website and I thought, you know, <laughs> everything there together, I thought, yeah, good on you. Great. I just liked how it was presented in this matter of fact. No, thank uh, you. Yeah. No, big, yeah. no big deal way. I would say that um, when we talk to women, the sexual wellness piece of the conversation comes up 90% of the time. Really? Even if they start out talking about, oh, I have hot, oh, yeah, I have hot flashes and I hate the feel of my hair. Eventually it comes around to whether they're having vaginal dryness issues, libido issues, partner issues in general. Like it, it mm-hmm. always seems to come around to that. And so yeah. I would just say to everybody who's listening, it's so common for women mm-hmm. in menopause, perimenopause to have issues around you know, their sexual levels is changing in some way. So that is why we do try to make it very matter of fact and put out there, you know, just, hey, you know, next to the skincare you're buying, it's the skin all over your body. Then you've got to take care of the skin all over your body. Couldn't agree more. But go back to the vibrator. Is it like a normal vibrator or is there something different about it that has been designed for women of our age? It's discreet and easy and it's norm- a normal vibrator. So it's nothing magic about it. Just checking. <laughs> just checking. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 nothing tricky. Now, I promise we we're going to talk about menopausitivity because um, this is a new word that you've invented. So you have to define it and tell us uh, why it's important to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we, we define it as this radiant outlook on life because we all know menopause could be really challenging, It and it is. But if you look at this stage with a much more positive lens and you feel educated and you have a support system around you, it's a lot more of a a positive experience. So it's really the attitude of the brand and it's contagious. You know, we are trying to spread it so that women don't suffer in silence and they really feel empowered during the stage of life. And it's working. And how important is it, do you think, uh, bringing women together when it comes to that? Because I noticed that, you know, you've got a Facebook group, you know, you've got uh, different areas on the website where you can fill out a quiz and and, um, Mm -hmm. work out which products you need. And that kind of um, outreach, I suppose, and um, forming a community seems to be very important to the brand. Yeah, our private Facebook group is called The After Party. And I think it's a huge, hugely important piece of our brand. And it's for women to share whether it's just basic funny things, their own experiences, but also to share advice. You know, oh, I, I, we have a lot of examples of women saying like, I am really suffering from hot flashes. What do you, you know, what have you tried? And it is really just about womaness. It's about all the women who are in the community sharing their own advice, sharing their own pieces of wisdom. Like I said, some days it's just funny conversation and some days it's, it's much more serious. And I think like we said earlier, it's just making women feel like they're not alone, like they're not the only people having these issues. You know, it, it, for some women, it's really embarrassing. They just might want to go on and read what other women have to say. And some women really are looking for, you know, the support of other women, other women like them. So I actually think it's a hugely important piece of the brand and other and just in general, women supporting women and sharing this because you're not getting it anywhere else. You're not getting it from the media. You're not getting it from your doctor. And women are not necessarily getting it from their moms. So uh, I think sharing amongst ourselves is really important. So you're both um, attending the world's first menopause summit in New York on World Menopause Day. Tell us what's going to be happening and uh, and why you're going and why you think it's important. Well, we're collaborating with all of the companies that have started to work in the menopause space to make a difference, whether they're telehealth companies, 
product companies, community companies. So it's just really exciting. There's um, probably 20 different companies that are joining together. So in the spirit of collaboration over competition, we just feel like we all need to join forces, celebrate World Menopause Day, and really cover these topics. So it's primarily a panel, and it's facilitated by Tamson Fidal, who's a well-known newscaster in the States and menopause expert. And Stacey London is the overall host, and she's really invited all of us together. So we're super excited, but we're going to cover just a variety of topics and hopefully, you know, start to band together to make more of a difference. We just feel like there's so much opportunity for all of us. See, I, th- I think this is really interesting. I mean, I think that the fact that you guys are, you're, you're CEOs of all these different companies, in essence, you're, you're actually competitors, but you're actually right. coming together to try and raise the menopause conversation generally. I mean, how much of this is about changing the image of the midlife woman as well and, and the importance of that? Yeah, I think 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's about just making it normal, making, you know, in the U.S., I'm sure it's the same in the U.K., like being a founder and starting a company is like a very, you know, cool thing to do. And people are really interested in how you built it and how you did it. And here you have all of these women all doing this together on a subject that is kind of taboo. So it's really great to just be like, yeah, like we're all doing it. This is all we're all in. We're fighting our the good fight for <laughs> breaking the stigma. And I think it's um, it'll be exciting to all be together. And is it cool enough, though, that you're getting the support from venture capitalists that other big companies might be getting? Or do you think there's a disparity there? I think we're getting the support. I mean, we've had two different fundraise rounds for Woman S, and we've been really successful to the point where we were overprescribed. So I do think there's a lot of interest out there and we we definitely feel like we're, you know, the breakout brand in this space, at least from a consumer products perspective. So so, so this market is being re- taken seriously. Though. Yeah. And I think the retailers are starting to really understand the potential of this market and they have the consumer is in their stores, you know, whether it's Target or Ulta Beauty or Walmart, you know, this consumer is on in all those stores. So you know, there's there's so much competition in the millennial area that I think they're all realizing that there's so much, you know, what we call white space for this demo. And we have huge buying power. And like you said at the top of the, you know, the the opening, it's it's very we're we're not, you know, under marketed, right? The companies aren't spending marketing dollars against us. So there's it's it's all starting to change just because we are making the decisions of the household. Yeah, quite right. And we've got more money than millennials, presumably. Right. As well. <laughs> and we're more, we are more recession-proof, I read. So we're attractive. And finally, have you got a message for women, not just in the US, in the UK, and all over the world who might be suffering? Any advice for people going through this uh, time of life? I would, I mean... There are certainly brands out there that can help, like ours, um, in terms of actually treating your symptoms. I think that, you know, certainly there's lots of information, a lot of interviews with doctors, as well as products on our on our site. But more, more than that, I would just say, you know, 
you're definitely not alone. <laughs> and if you aren't talking to your friends and your sister and whoever else is in your world, like you should, I mean, there's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about because mm -hmm. like, I, I, if I could tell you all, like I said, 90% of the women I talk to tell me that they have all kinds, I mean, I've heard all kinds of sexual wellness issues. I've heard all kinds of night sweats, can't sleep, stressed out, can't think, brain fog. I mean, you name it, it's out there. So you can find a community of women that is willing to support you, help you, laugh with you, whatever you need. And I would just say the other thing we, we stress is just the importance of starting young. You know, if you're in your 30s, start to become educated about menopause, even, you know, start to ask your doctor. Make sure your doctor is the right doctor for you as you get into your 40s and beyond. Yeah. We really want to stress the importance of starting early. I was just wondering if any of your products are available in the UK. We ship to the UK. So that started a few months ago. So we are shipping to the UK from our website, womanist.com. We are not available at any retailers yet because that's that's a huge operational hurdle that's on our, our, on our plans for down the road. But right now we're shipping. So we're really pleased with that because we've gotten so many, so much uh, interest from the UK in particular. Fantastic. I think Helen will definitely be getting the uh, let's get necking cream. What was it called? Okay, let's <laughs> neck. Yeah, let's neck. Thought we were going to say something else then. Do you know what? Do you know what happened then? I've been so good at moisturising my face, right, throughout my whole life. And then basically what I haven't done is moisturise my neck. <laughs> and so I've kind of got into my 40s and I'm like, oh, oh dear. <laughs> I didn't put that groundwork in with the moisturisation. <laughs> oh, little turkey, turkey wobble. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. All right, sorry. Thanks for that. We've all learnt a lot this evening, haven't we? Friends like these guys, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, can we say a massive thank you to Michelle and Sally? Thank you. Thank you. For womanness and uh, long may your brilliant work continue. So thank oh, you. thank you. Yours too. Effing <laughs> hormones. Chatting perimenopause in public. So what of it? So what do we think of that then? I mean, not just them, but so many brands in the US and here in the UK really targeting us menopausal women. Are we liking that? There's all these products available or do we feel a bit marketed at? How do we feel about it all? I'll be honest, before we talk to them, a little bit like, oh, okay, here's here's another, you know, trying to brand market, blah, blah, blah. But actually listening to them, listening to the ethos, listening to what mm. they're about, I feel like they're not. I think there are some corporate companies who are being quite sort of, oh, let's have a menopause policy. Let's do this. Let's do that. But actually, it's the follow through with it, if that makes sense. So it's all very well talking about stuff. But what's the action? Whereas what I love about listening to them and, and what they've got going on is there's a lot of heart to what they're doing. It's not just mm. brands, 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 market, market, market. There's a lot of heart in where that what in their story and in the products they're making and in the community they've created over there on their Facebook group. So yeah, I'm sort of yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. And you don't mind so much being marketed to, do you, when it is other menopausal women who have gone through it and understand the exactly. symptoms. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah? Rather than some big corporate brands who are going, Oh, is another bandwagon to jump on and yeah. we should do it, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm cool with it. I think good for them and good for good for us for having neck creams and vibrators and things like that <laughs> yeah. uh, how did i know you guys would pick up on that huh 
I mean, I think with this whole subject, we've got um, two different massive issues here, haven't we? We've got health inequality, which we have found out so much about throughout from starting Effing Hormones up to this point, right? And access to HRT in the UK, which is quite specific to us because clearly in the United States they've got a very, very different healthcare system. So we can't, we certainly... Oh yeah, my God, I know. it blew my head. I know. $100 so we certainly a can't month. make any comparisons there. Ah. Actually, the one thing that I did think we could make a comparison here is so many women in the past that we've ha- had to speak to have had to go private in order to be taken seriously and also, you know, get access to HRT. I mean, and you're one of them, Emma, aren't you? I am. I spent £1,000. And I can remember speaking to Totes in Approps, who was our very first guest on Effing Hormones, and saying to her in my research chat with her, like, you know, what about, have you gone down the private route? And she made such a good point in that she said, how do you know who to go to? Because there are so many different symptoms. There are so many different issues. Mm. How do you know? I mean, you could end up spending loads of money before you've even found out what it is, right? So you've got health inequality on one side. But on the other side, and this has always been really important for me with effing hormones, was sort of changing the image of women in midlife and changing that representation. You know, if you Googled like, you know, 45-year-old women or whatever. And like it or not, and I'm not saying this is a good thing or not, but the fact is, if you've got advertisers who are representing women of a certain age better, then that is going to change that image culturally. And that's why things like womaness, I think, are important. And I found it very interesting that they said that our market of our age, it is now being taken seriously. And that is good. We need to be taken seriously. I, I agree, Helen. I think because... Basically, even though it's brands, I am a brand's nightmare because I have never been into brands. I've never been into the trainers. I've never been in. Maybe it's because we couldn't afford any of that when I was younger, but I've never been into. I've never fell for branding of any kind. I'm really tricky to sell to. But I suppose I'm getting to the point now where I found myself buying supplements, which I would never have done before. So, you know, it's, it's things like that. So I wonder whether the fact that more and more brands are discussing menopause and are making us more aware of the things that are available and there are new products. I mean, even my friends, she works for a bed company and they're looking at, they've got a new mattress. I won't say which one because they might sponsor us. There's lots of new opportunities for companies, but also tapping into, like you were saying, we've, we've all got a bit more money at this time of life, or mostly a lot of people have at this time of life. Not at the moment, but... Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> with a cost of living crisis. But yes, I agree. What have we bought then since going through all this? Because I have bought some stuff. I tell you, the t- I've bought an anxiety blanket, right? Oh, yeah, me too. And I love my anxiety blanket. If you don't know what it is, they've got little beads in them. It weights down and it makes you feel like you're being hugged when you go to sleep. I, oh, it sounds like my idea of hell, that. Ugh. Yeah, it was, it was my idea of hell. Oh, I love mine. Absolutely love it. And I tell you what else I bought. I bought this magnet that you put down your knickers. Oh, stop. <laughs> I know someone else that bought a fanny magnet. Oh, I've used one of them. I've used one of them. Is that what we call it? Oh, my God. Fanny magnet meant something else when I was It's not called a fanny magnet ever. (laughs) should be. Why are you putting it down your knickers? I don't even know what it's called. The only reason why I bought it, right, is because there were two women who were older than me in the office where I used to work, and they were menopausal, and they had both talked about the magnet. A couple of them said it worked for them, for their menopausal symptoms, right? So I was like, okay. Does it, does it help you find your true north? <laughs> no. no, but I'll tell you what does happen, right? Right, you put it down your knickers, right? It clings to your belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
well, I got I got caught in the supermarket. You know, you like buy the what's the thing called where you have all your oh my god where you have the conveyor, the conveyor belt. belt. I was standing by the conveyor, conveyor belt, belt in the supermarket, and I just heard this thwack. <laughs> Oh, you didn't get right? stuck. And the front of my the front of my trousers were stuck. <laughs> <laughs> was stuck to the conveyor belt. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Do you want any help with your shopping? Uh no thanks. <laughs> I've had the magnet when I've had it on and then like, you know, when you like doing your belt up or something and then it just sticks to your belt and then it yeah, it just like sticks to your belt and then you're like trying to prise it away from your belt. But that getting oh stuck God. to a conveyor belt, brilliant. I could just picture it now. Oh my God. You wouldn't want to keep it in for a trip to the airport, would you? So it didn't do it didn't do anything oh. for me whatsoever. But Bina, I'm interested in uh, the fact that you said it worked for you. It did it, it seemed to ease Did it? Like period pains. Oh really? Yeah. And I, I used to, I mean, I still do. I really suffered with, I kept in agony. Um, and it did ease it. I mean, it might have been the million painkillers and, and every, you know, <laughs> all of it. But like, it did, like out and about, uh, I used to be on the road a lot for work. And yeah. you can't just, you know, just have a hot water bottle when you're out working and stuff. So yeah, I used to sometimes have it on. And- but this is, the, this is the whole point, isn't it? You get to the point where you're bloody desperate and you're just like, right, I'll just try whatever. But I'm, going to, I'm swearing by my anxiety blanket. I'm telling you, honestly, I love it. Like when I go and stay somewhere else now and I haven't got it, because they're heavy, they, you know, they are heavy. Um, if, if I don't have it, I don't sleep as well. I just, I love it. I love it so much. Oh, God, that's, it's making me, just you describing it is making me feel like I need to like, Ugh. yeah, it's really horrible. So listen, look, we've all, we've all bought, we've bought stuff, basically. And I, I like my nice moisturisers, I do. After Louise Newson, I've got the magnesium supplements, I've got the vitamin D, I've got the cod liver oil, which I had already actually, so I was quite chuffed when Louise, Dr. Louise Newson started talking about those as supplements. The only other thing I've got, which I don't buy myself, but my mum keeps buying me, mm. is the caffeine hair shampoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is like, I don't know whether she's oh, yeah. trying to tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for, for, for balding and for losing your hair, but uh, yeah. I, I've had that and I've used it and I can't remember buying it, but maybe I did. But I found some at my parents' house and went back there. And I've been using it as well to no effect or no difference whatsoever. But anyway. I mean, I think, look, it's a difficult time of life. You can lose your head. Let's face it, we've all talked about that before. So, you know, just try and do a bit of research and like think before you buy, I guess, which we're all doing with everything right now at the moment. Let's face it. And if you too have tried a fanny magnet and had hilarious consequences, <laughs> do let us know, please, on social media. <laughs> well, get in touch via the website, everyhormones.com. I would can't wait to see your emails. If you've got if you've got a situation that goes with my conveyor belt, I want stories about the magnet. Go to the website, oh everyhormones.com, send us an email. Yeah. You might want your profanity filter on. Well, that's it for this episode. A big thank you for listening to Effin Hormones. And if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do check out our website, effinhormones.com. And if you're able to throw a couple of quid our way, we'd be ever so grateful. Click on the star under Be an Effin Star, and that will take you through to our donations page. Effin Hormones will be back next month. In the meantime, stay safe, try and take it as easy as possible. And look after your effing hormones. Bye. 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 See ya.